This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, April 3rd, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Fannie Mae turned a profit as the housing market rebounds, but how real are those profits? And the president wants banks to give easy credit to weak borrowers, raising the question, didn't that exact policy fuel the housing meltdown? Mark Calabria, Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute, comments. What does it matter that Fannie Mae has made money this quarter? Well, let's keep in mind that despite the fact that this quarter they have made uh, $17 billion, it really doesn't matter in terms of we haven't gotten all the money back. I mean, we've put about $190 billion into Fannie and Freddie. Uh, we've gotten some of that back. But what it really matters for is it matters for the terms of the political debate. And it matters for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, there will be the continuing attraction because the current system ha- essentially sweeps all the profits to Treasury. So it gives politicians money to spend. And of course, um, I have yet to meet a politician who doesn't like to spend a stream of money. So it becomes very difficult in the future to do political to do reform of Fannie and Freddie if Washington basically gets to spend the money directly. So that's one of the differences. The other indifferent, the other difference, is it changes somewhat the rhetoric. Um, you know, certainly Fannie and Freddie are very uh, central contributors to the financial crisis, and you know the the size of the whole really makes it very difficult for those who would like to you know be those apologists for Fannie and Freddie to say, well, you know, their victims had nothing in crisis. That becomes a pretty difficult position to take when they're 190 billion in the hole. If Fannie and Freddie start to get out of this hole, it makes it far easier for the supporters of Freddie and Fannie to argue for keeping them around. So it's essentially meaningless. That is the the money is not real in a sense. It's not real. I mean it's certainly you know it's certainly real in that it's collected from the from the rest of the economy and goes into treasury. It doesn't pay down any of the money we owe that owes us because it's set up in a in a system where we're not paying down the outstanding money put in. We're simply you can think about it paying back interest on principal and you're not paying down the principal is a good way to think about it. Uh, it certainly hasn't changed the debate in terms of anybody's opinion. I don't know any uh, supporter of Fannie Mae who now says, well, because they're profitable, we should you know, get rid of them. And I don't know anybody uh, who wants to get rid of them who has suddenly changed their mind. Of course, the concern is that those different camps are looking at how the general public looks at this uh, and that where will the public anger over Fannie and Freddie subside because they're making money. Uh, and of course, that doesn't change the fact that you know they're, they're making money essentially from being crony capitalists. So again, I don't think the, the people who have always been concerned about Fannie and Freddie or the people who, who became concerned since the crisis are still concerned. So I, I don't see this as, as moving the political dial all that much. All right. This is uh, related um, to, to housing here. Uh, this is from the, the Washington Post. The Obama administration is engaged in a broad push to make more home loans available to people with weaker credit, an effort that officials say will help power the economic recovery, but that skeptics say could open the door to the risky lending that caused the housing crash in the first place. President Obama's economic advisors and outside experts say the nation's much-celebrated housing rebound is leaving too many people behind including young people looking to buy their first homes and individuals with credit records weakened by the recession. Now, the obvious question for me, a renter who might hope to own a home one day and who has good credit, is that the housing collapse was a good thing. 
from my perspective in terms of wanting to buy a house. I mean, you, you, we could certainly have a broader discussion someday on, on the bizarre fact that housing is about the only necessity of life that policymakers applaud when it gets more expensive. You know, we don't applaud. Washington doesn't get excited when the price of gas goes up. You know, we don't get excited when the price of food goes up. Uh, but for some bizarre reason, we have decided that despite the fact that everybody needs a place to live, if it gets more expensive for them to need a place to live, that's actually a good thing from a public policy perspective. Um, and so the thinking is, and of course, it really is to me utterly shocking as somebody who remembers the last you know boom not that long ago, because if you followed the public policy conversation in, say, 2003 or 2004. It was all about, well, you know, this is not an unsustainable bubble that's going to end badly. It was all about, well, this is a great wealth creation machine that we need to get more people in. And that's the the attitude of the administration. We're starting to see in many markets like Phoenix, where they finally have hit bottom, prices start to go up. And the, and the, and the attitude of the administration is, well, you know, everybody needs to be able to ride this asset bubble on the way up, uh, rather than thinking about, this might end badly. Like it, like it did last time, so it's incredibly short-sighted, um, and of course, it, it sets aside the fact that, you know, yes, the administration is correct that a very large percent of the subprime lending, in terms of lending to borrowers with less than good credit, has gone away. Uh, a lot of that has gone away. Part of that should have gone away, but a lot of it shouldn't have, and has gone away solely because of regulatory issues. So the same administration that touted Dodd Frank as the best thing since sliced bread. Um, also that Dodd-Frank contains a number of restrictions on the mortgage market. And so, of course, the administration's response is, well, yes, we've created this insane regulatory apparatus that if you, a lender, make a risky loan, we'll get sued and you'll never be able to foreclose upon the loan. So here's our solution to it. We won't come after you as long and, and we will compensate you for your risk by sticking it to the taxpayer. And so part of the president's plan is that, you know, the Federal Housing Administration, FHA, which itself looks to be on the verge of losing 10 to 20 to 30 to maybe even as much as 50 billion, um, which will be bigger than the net bailout cost of the TARP, that the president's solution to all the bad regulations that they have that he he has signed on to and pushed in terms of the mortgage market is to instead transfer that risk to the taxpayer. So to some extent, uh, it's, as we have repeated leasing from this administration, and I'll note the last administration as well, is to use the taxpayer to cover up their own mistakes. Well, and they're also using banks explicitly, which I oh, mean, yeah. this is nothing new, of course, but they're using banks to promote uh, particular policies at, that can, again, weaken banks. Oh, absolutely. And it certainly is, is, is unfortunately um, reflective of that we don't have a Private free market in banking in the United States. We have a corporate cronyism. You know, uh, the government comes in and essentially creates monopoly type style profits and says, uh, "We'll let you keep some of those monopoly style profits if you uh, redistribute the excess to our favorite constituencies that will turn out the vote for us. And if it all goes wrong, don't worry about it. The taxpayer will pick up the tab." Uh, and again, this is really a reinforcement of it. And of course, it's it's a continuation of the theme that Dodd Frank started, which is the high, the continued politi- politicalization of our mortgage market and our, and our and our banking markets, which of course, as we have repeatedly seen, ends in tears. Mark Calabria directs the Cato Institute's financial regulation studies. You can read Cato's decades-long work on Fannie and Freddie at our website, Cato.org. 